What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Take it away, Lynn. Thanks, Adano. All right, so did you guys see there's going to be five international games on the 2024 NFL schedule, and now we know who's going to be hosting in four of those games because the league revealed that info today. The Bears, the Vikings, the Jaguars, and the Panthers will all be heading abroad next season to host international games. So the Bears and the Vikings will each host a game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Ooh, Tottenham Hotspur. Mm -hmm. Go Tottenham. And the Jags will host a game at Wembley. And then, as for the Panthers, they are going to have the second NFL game ever in Munich, Germany. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be a fourth game that's going to be in Frankfurt, but I guess they have not announced who's going to be doing that one yet. Oh, dude, Frankfurt rocks. Mm -hmm. I've never been, Cappy. You've been? So, um, probably in the early 2000s. I don't remember exactly what year it was. George, I went over to do broadcasts on the NFL Network for NFL Europe. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was in Frankfurt, Germany for like a week and a half. Then I was in Amsterdam for about a week. And then I was in Dusseldorf. Ooh, Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf, Germany. Yeah. And so I uh, got a chance to do all those NFL Europe games back in the day. And all I wanted to do was just be stationed in Amsterdam. I'm like, why do I have to go anywhere? Amsterdam's my kind yeah, of spot. Yeah, the uh, Amsterdam uh, Admirals or whatever. Right, the Amsterdam Admirals or the Frankfurt Galaxy. There was the Barcelona Dragons. Yes, and the Dusseldorf, Dusseldorfers, I think was the name of their team. I think that's who they were, the Dusseldorfers. I don't remember what the name of the team was. It was awesome. I had a great time doing it. So, yeah, yeah. so Europe, listen, they're into it. They're into American football. But I don't know. I can't tell you how into it. I haven't I been mean, there in a long time. They're into it adjacent, I would say. Just adjacent? Really? Not yeah. a lot? Yeah, there was the Rhine Fire. Remember them? Yeah. The uh, the London Monarchs. London Monarchs, yeah. Yeah, they won the World Bowl a couple of times. The Waffle. That's right. The World League of American Football. You know, right, and then they changed it to NFL Europe. That's right. For I was going to ask, like, aren't all of these um, soccer stadiums, football stadiums, aren't they way bigger than the U.S. stadiums, like, for the most part? Um, not as depends. I recall. Not oh, as yeah. I, I don't recall them being like bigger. Do you mean bigger like is in like, like they Jerry hold World? like seventy, eighty thousand? You know. Um, I I don't remember like walking into any of those stadiums and well, going, "Wow, these I, are I think much there's bigger. certain places, right? Like Camp Nou, uh, where Barcelona plays, like that place holds like almost a hundred thousand. You know what I mean? Like that. There's some there's some places like that. I don't think they're all like that. And I'll uh, give you a heads up, Lindsay. That Tottenham uh, Club. They built that stadium with hopes of getting NFL teams. So it's configured for the NFL dimensions. So a lot of those new stadiums have done that because they want to be able to get the NFL games. That's sweet. You know, my dad almost missed the birth of my brother because the Browns were playing in London that year. Oh. What year? 1989. Come on, really? I don't even remember the, the NFL going over to London back yeah, then. Yeah, wow. I think it was like the first time. Oh, or... dude, in the 80s, they went to like, yeah. they had the Japan Bowl or whatever, I remember. They had like games in Asia and like, in, yeah, in Tokyo and stuff. Japan Bowl, I I kind of that was a college remember. thing, but right, there was, was like say, college, there was yeah. but there was also a um, I remember because I remember this um, the Dan Marino and the Dolphins when I was a kid in the nineties played in Japan like a preseason game in Japan. Wow, I that would remember. be really cool. I feel like why don't they do that again? Um, I mean, the Rams, if they want to do it, go right ahead. I you, mean, the Dodgers are playing in Korea, so I mean, you know that uh, the Cavs played in France today. I did see that. Yeah. Yes. Against That's pretty cool. played in France today? Uh -huh. Yeah, there's a yearly game in France. Who played? For the NBA. Well, I just told you, the Nets and the Cavs. I didn't hear the Nets part. I heard the Cavs yeah. part. Yeah. 
Uh, of, yeah, well. It's just weird that they did it in the middle of the season, you know? Like, that's kind of a, a far far way to go for one game. Eh, it's not that far if you're the Nets, you know what I mean? Like, from, you know, France, it's like six hours. Oh, okay. It's like flying to L.A. Oh, it was like four hours. But. Well, I had no exposure to that at all. I yeah. had no idea, Cap, until today that they were playing it. Well, I guess it was yesterday I heard them talking about it. Yeah. So, no, yeah. they played today. Yeah. yeah, I heard them talking about it yesterday. Like, oh, they're playing in France tomorrow. And I was like, what? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Um, so that is what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, just the ninety minutes from wherever you are. All right. So apparently we broke when we were supposed wasn't supposed to break. So I guess we're just going to four thirty now. How about that? Okay, I like that. Commercial free the next twenty minutes. Very nice. Correct. So more show on the show is what we've got back in this particular segment. There's gonna be a lot more show on the show. All right. So Cappy, you were all like uh, up in arms. Couldn't believe it. Flabbergasted even when it came to all the announcements. Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. Nick Saban, and then your mind, that magical mind of yours, that maniacal mind of yours got to working. <laughs> well, look, let me ask you guys a question. Can you think of anything in sports that rivaled the news cycle of the last 24 hours? Think about it. Yesterday morning at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning, it was announced that Pete Carroll was not going to return to the Seattle Seahawks. Mm -hmm. I found that to be a shocking announcement. I said to you guys by text, I mean, I think I could make a case as to why they would want to move on, but I still found it to be shocking. I thought Pete Carroll was one of those guys that could kind of decide for himself when he wanted to end his, his time with Seattle, but that really doesn't happen for anybody, and proof of that yeah. happened this morning. Um, in between Pete Carroll... And Bill Belichick, yesterday, the resignation uh, of Nick Saban. And right. so you went from Pete Carroll, who's won a Super Bowl, been to two, couple of national championships at USC, Heisman Trophy winners. I mean, a legendary football coach in Pete Carroll. Yeah. And on the same calendar day, you had the resignation of Nick Saban. And then within the same 24-hour period, you had the, I suppose you would call it firing or parting of the ways with Bill Belichick, three legends in 24 hours. I would just think, like, if you're Saban, you're like, hey, Pete Carroll, I mean, they just pushed him out. I'll wait till tomorrow. And then you get on the phone and you, you talk to, to Belichick and you go, hey, listen, I'm going to resign tomorrow. And Belichick's like, whoa, they're, they're about to push me out. I'll tell them to wait another day. Like, within 24 hours. If you would have yeah. told me one day, the next day, the next day, but three guys of this magnitude in 24 hours, somebody tell me something in sports that a news cycle that has that sort of magnitude of stories all in that short a period of time. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't really jot these things down, but I'm sure we, I mean, those are pretty, you know, had pretty big magnitude to them or a large level of insanity to them. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there have been moments and like days that you come in and you're like, holy crap, I can't believe that. Like, I don't know. Um, trying well, to can't think. you like go on to Slack and ask the ESPN stats and information guys like, has there ever been any 24 hour period where three coaches or players or something that are of the upper echelon magnitude? And by the way, don't forget about this part of the story. All three of those guys, 70 plus years old, which yeah. I also thought was an interesting part of the story. Wow. Well, Pete I mean, Carroll is pushed out, 72 years old. Nick Saban doesn't want to deal with it anymore, 71 years old. And Bill Belichick is like, hey, I'm 72 and I still want to go coach somewhere else. I would say that there's probably some days like free agency days that have had like incredible like things happen within a span of a few like of a day of each other. You know what I mean? Like 
in like whether it's the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball, because usually in those times, also coaches and managers are getting fired or hired. You know what I mean? So like, I'm sure there's one. I just can't think of one. Off right. The top Not, of neither head. can I. But I'll tell you this, George. I woke up this morning at about 5.45 a.m. My brain was racing, you know. Mm -hmm. So I go on to my email and I get an article from The Athletic. And the article was like, you know, explaining like the headline was something like, you know, why the Patriots parted ways with Bill Belichick. And I'm telling you, it's like 545 in the morning. I'm a little bit mm -hmm. foggy. And I'm like, what do you mean parted ways? They, they're, they're writing this story as if it's already happened. Now, I got to remember to myself, well, it's 545 Pacific time. It's 845 Eastern time. And they've probably already had this article written. Hey, when Belichick gets pushed out, we're ready to produce this column. Now, I don't know if you read this piece today in The Athletic, but it was two things really, really were interesting to me. The first one was the report that Tom Brady, when the in his last year with the Patriots, the Patriots were apparently 8-0. I don't really remember Tom Brady's last year with the Patriots. And so Brady, though, at 8-0, according to The Athletic article, goes to Bob Kraft, the owner of the Patriots. And you know what he says to him, George? Mm. He said, I'm the most miserable undefeated quarterback in the history of the NFL because according to the way the athletic reported it today Bill Belichick was always beating up on Tom Brady especially in front of his teammates so oh. here well I mean I guess my point is is that oh poor Tommy well, had he not earned some respect from Belichick? I don't know. Uh, Greg Popovich did it to Tim Duncan for his entire career because he could show the rest of the locker room, hey, if I can do it to Duncan, I can do it to anyone else. And Duncan oh. understood. But well, Tommy, apparently, not, 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 he's not Tim Duncan. He doesn't well, understand. I, I guess not. But I can tell you this. Uh, I don't oh, remember Tommy, Tim Duncan having Tommy, five or six Tommy. Super Bowls or five or six championships. How many did he have? Three? You know? Duncan? So, yeah, how many did he have? Had five. Okay. Well, I see. I said I didn't remember it. So here's yeah. my point. So Brady tells... Kraft, I'm the most miserable 8-0 undefeated championship quarterback in the league because Belichick just doesn't stop. But here's the thing. And again, I had never heard this before about Belichick. According to the athletic report, Belichick was as rude and as big a jerk to anybody, not just Tom Brady, but to Robert Kraft. The way the athletic reported it this morning is Bob Kraft would be walking down the hallway Belichick would be walking down the hallway, and Belichick refused to even acknowledge the owner of the team. And I, I got to be honest, I've never heard these stories before until today. And I, it really makes me think, if I'm an NFL team, do I want a 72-year-old Bill Belichick who, since Tom Brady retired, has had one playoff game? Do I want a 72-year-old Bill Belichick to come into my facility and treat me, the owner, the way he treated Kraft, according to the reports. I don't. I personally don't think so. I, mean, I don't know, man. I, I, you, you think he's getting another job? I mean, he, you think he's got his pick of the litter? There's eight I mean, jobs open in the NFL right now. Looking forward to the next thing, and it's, you know what we're gonna do, and we'll figure it out. You're on to Cincinnati, aren't you? Uh, just, we're going to move on to the next opportunity, and I want to thank Robert for his opportunity here in uh, a great 24 years in uh, New England. Panthers, Chargers, Raiders, Commanders, Falcons, Titans, Seahawks, and Patriots. Eight teams. Eight teams. 25% of the NFL right now does not have a coach. How about that? Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll see if, uh, you know, what will happen. I'm just... You're on to Cincinnati. 
been a, happy to have been a part of uh, the New England Patriots. Hey, Bel- how how about Belichick, there. though? He actually did say something funny today. He started the press conference. He goes, man, I haven't seen this many cameras here since we signed Tebow. I thought that was pretty funny. He is funny. We don't see it that often, but uh, that was pretty funny today. So, yeah, look, I am fascinated. I don't know if you realize I'm very funny. No, I didn't. I didn't know that, Coach. Well, I didn't you know. know that. I yeah, did not I know, know that. Now you, now you know. Unbelievable story. Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, three legends, three champions, three of the all-time greats, two right. of perhaps the great. I mean, maybe the greatest NFL coach of all time. And maybe the greatest college football coach of all time. Well, I wouldn't say maybe. I would just remove the maybe from both. Well, I'll just say this: to have those two guys and the connection and the story. Poor Pete Carroll ends up getting screwed in this situation. Uh, get screwed in the fact that people because are you know that Saban and, and and Belichick are tight, so you know they text each other all the yeah. time. So he was just like, "Yo, you do it today. I'll do it tomorrow." But they don't really like Pete, so it's just like, "Eh, Pete, whatever." Mm. I'll tell you one thing about Pete. <laughs> I saw his press conference. Pete was like, they're like, so uh, Pete, talk to us. He's like, hey, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm not tired. I'm not. Hey, listen, the end of the season, you guys think I should be laying on a cot somewhere? I should be tired. I'm not tired. I'm ready to go. There's more to learn. There's more to do. He, he talked about, he goes, my all-time great mentor, Bud Grant, used to say there's more waves to surf. There's more mountains to climb. He's like, I got a lot more to do. Pete Carroll does not sound like a guy who amicably walked out of the Seattle Seahawks you know, offices Pete Carroll sounds like a guy who's ready to come back to coaching like immediately. Yeah, he'll coach the Chargers. Well, it would make all the sense in the world. Oh, you would hate every second of it. You're darn right I would. Oh, it would be so great. You're darn right I'd hate every second of it. It would be great. Literally only great just because you would be like so annoyed by it. Well, think about how conflicted I'd be. Pete Carroll is one of my all-time favorite people in football. All-time. He's probably number Who's two. Who's on that list, Cappy? He, he, I would say Pete Carroll is my number two favorite coach of all time. In, in of NFL all time. Football. Who's number one? Marty Schottenheimer. Oh, may he rest in peace. That's right. R.I.P. Yeah. Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah. Uh, so Pete Carroll's like my number two guy. So who's number three? Harbaugh. No, not Harbaugh. I, He's got to be four or five. No, right? but but this one's another guy that we're going to have to R.I.P. You know who's my third guy? God, you like all these dead guys. Well, they're older guys, man. <laughs> You know, my my guy, Denny Green. Oh. Denny Green was my guy. Yeah. You know? And so... You want to uh, crown him? Crown their ass. Right. The Bears are who we thought they... Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. They were. 
So the funny thing is that people will remember him for that, and he was an incredible coach in Minnesota. Oh, dude, he was an amazing coach. He really yeah. was. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that one year, and I'll, you guys probably remember the story, the Vikings, Denny Green's Vikings, are hosting the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC Championship. Oh, I game remember it in well. Minnesota. Yeah. They had a kicker by the name of Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson was the oldest was, kicker in the league. He yeah. was a legend with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Gary Anderson had been perfect, like 34 of 34 on field goals the entire and he year. Misses. He, missed he missed it. the yeah. field goal to win the game. Yeah. And the Falcons went on to the Super Bowl, yeah. and the Vikings did not go on to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Vikings. If have you want to crown them, then crown their ass. Thank you. Yeah. But they uh, are the who Vi we thought they were. Not to get into like you know Vikings talk here on seven ten ESPN, but like the Vikings have had a lot of like really bone crushing playoff losses in their history, man. Dude. Like I remember when Brett Favre threw that interception against New Orleans. Like I don't know if we could find this audio, but it like as a play by play enthusiast, it might be this one of the best like miserable home team calls when he threw the pick. It was like he threw an interception. No, it was something crazy like that. And it was like, I remember listening to that back then going, man, that guy laid it all out there. Good yeah. for him. And you talk about just the Vikings having, you know, crushing defeats. Um, when Pete Carroll and the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl and won, it was, I believe, the divisional round where um, the Vikings stadium was not built yet, their new stadium. And yeah, they, they were, were playing, playing outside 2015. Right, and, it was, yeah. and it was bone chilling cold. And um, they ha they come in, the Vikings, to kick a 27-yard game-winning field goal. And I'm trying to think of the kid's name. Blair, Blake, Blair, something. And he missed a 27-yard field goal to win the game. And literally, it cost him his career. Never recovered from yeah. missing a short little chip shot field goal. Yeah. I think I found it. I'll give it to Lindsay here in a second. Was it the Paul call. Allen who did it? Yeah, it was Paul Allen for sure. Um, he's one of the best, man. Uh, I think I just sent it to you, so I don't know. Take a quick listen first. But, um, yeah, I mean, Cappy, it's football. Listen, sports is heartbreaking, man. You know what I mean? Like, it it can give you the highest of highs and lowest of lows, right? And, and not just as a fan, as a player, too. I mean, we were talking about D'Angelo Russell yesterday. And everyone – it's so funny how everyone has, like, taken a position on this. Either you're hearing D'Angelo Russell and you're saying to yourself, oh, you know, I, I don't think he's saying that what's best for the Lakers is what's best for him. And I'm like, but he's saying what's best for him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's he was talking about what is best for D'Angelo Russell um, after he didn't talk to the media, after he had been benched, after he had put up or put to the bench, basically not benched as in he's not playing. But. So I, I don't understand some people's positions on this well, stuff. I mean, listen, as far as people's positions, and I know we can play the audio so everybody can catch up for those that missed it, but, you know, yesterday to hear D'Angelo Russell... On his own podcast. Right, and, and say he's delusional. This young man does not understand. Hey, bro, um, LeBron's team, AD's team, they traded for you. You guys had a nice run to the Western Conference Finals. They re-signed you. Don't you understand you're at very best a number three on LeBron and AD's team? And yet, if we play the audio, you would think that D'Angelo Russell is trying to say to everybody, I should be the one, LeBron should be the two, AD should be the three, and you can get Sedano and Cap to be four or five. It doesn't even matter. Well, I don't believe he's saying that, although I could see how you would interpret that. But I think he's just saying when he's on the floor, the ball should run through him. 
Like, because he's the point guard. He wants to run, pick, and roll. That's what he's best at. That's how you maximize him. And in his mind, if you maximize him, you maximize the team. And I'm like, mm, that's not how this works when you're playing on a championship-level team. Well, Which, by the way, he has not played on a championship-level team before. Right, but, but again, everybody who came at us yesterday on Twitter said, you guys are missing it. What he's saying, D'Angelo Russell, is if you want to get the best out of me, this is what you should do. And I understand that he might have that perspective, but what I'm trying to say to D'Angelo Russell is, young man, this is LeBron and AD's team. So you shouldn't even be saying this stuff publicly. I mean, you might want to think it, but bro, are, do you not live in the same world? Do you, do you not go to the same locker room? Do you not see that there's a guy over there who's 39 years old who's the greatest player of the generation and maybe the greatest player of all time, and yet everything should run through you? I'll tell you what. Do this. Do this, D'Angelo. Don't tell us on your podcast. Go tell LeBron. Go tell LeBron, and then LeBron yeah, can handle right. it for you. Yeah, go tell LeBron. I'm with. I'm actually with you on that, Cappy. Because here's the thing: play the audio. Do we have the D'Angelo audio available? I'm sure we do, but because I'd love to hear it. It's his own podcast, and he's talking about how to maximize himself, considering the way things are going right now uh, with them. But I'm with you, Cappy. Like he's he is not talking about how to maximize the team. He's talking about how to maximize D'Angelo. Yeah. Yeah. I know Beto was in the other day, and he was saying, you know, these guys don't care about the team. They don't care about championships. They only care about themselves. I, I don't agree with that. Mm, yeah, the majority. Well, I think you're right in the case of D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. I just don't think you're right in the case of, let's say, like a LeBron or AD. Well, we didn't say LeBron or AD. We were talking specifically about D'Angelo Russell. Right, but D'Angelo Russell, here's the thing. You are delusional if you think things should run through you on LeBron's team. Um... Wait, no, you're like, you have to think about that? No, it's you're going to be delusional if you don't know your role on LeBron's team and you think it's got to come to you. But he was saying in that podcast, I think he recorded it about a month ago, somebody was saying that this is the best way he can play. Great. That's good. It should be on another team because it's not going to happen here. Correct. Like, it's not going to happen here. And, and by the way, it hasn't happened well anywhere. to levels of like... Anywhere. Of like, yeah, anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, e even when he played for the Nets, when they made the playoffs, like, what what was that team? A first-round team? Like, in Minnesota, they couldn't wait to get rid of him fast no. enough. Same thing at Golden State. Exactly. If we're being, if we're being honest, everywhere. that's the reality of it. Yeah, he's delusional. Like, his talent is there, without a doubt. Is it going to help a team win? No. In the way that he wants to play. Like he said, he, I'm not a catch-and-shoot guy. Well, if he was, he'd be better for this team. He'd help him out a lot more. But it's not. There's just a lot of guys like that, Cappy, who are just going to go through the motions, get their check wherever they can. They're uber talented, but they realize, hey, I'm not wanted here. Oh, well, this is the situation I got. Deal with it. If that if that uh, podcast was recorded a month ago, that kind of gives you an idea of how long he's been thinking about this. Because yesterday when we played it, it had actually launched. The podcast itself had launched like eight hours earlier. So no, earlier no, he had yesterday. he had three episodes. The first one yeah. was a month ago. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one was during the IST, and then the third episode, which is the audio we played, was posted eight hours before we talked about it. But mm -hmm. I feel like for it to have been recorded that long ago, like I don't, I don't think that that's, I don't think they were generic enough for that to be the case. I feel like right. it was probably I don't buy recorded that either. more yeah. recently. I, there were three episodes. The first one a month ago. Right. 
uh, the second one during the IST, or a little over a month ago, two months ago, whatever it was, second one during the IST, and then the most recent one was posted eight hours before. To Lindsay's point, I, I also don't believe it was generic enough to feel like that yeah. was done a month ago. And all of a sudden, we're finding out about it, right? Like in this Correct. day and age where everybody promotes everything all the time. Remember last year he got in trouble because he wanted to promote that drink that was on the table. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, uh, and, and the Lakers PR five. staff told him, kept telling him no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Drink? And then now it's like, oh, I have a podcast. Yeah, like five. A I have a podcast, but nobody knows about it. Yeah. Okay. Mm. In this uh, day and age. Cappy, coming up next, we're going to play Radio Tinder at 430 today. Mm -hmm. And then it. our guy Blake's going to join us because there's a lot of Dodger stuff going on. Mm hmm. So we're going to do that at 445. But first, tell them about how much you love Subaru. Well, I do. And Just let us play for a second because it's great. Great entrance. Sure is. Great entrance. Hey, uh, speaking of flair, did you guys see the video that Casper Villa put in the circle of trust earlier today? I did. I did, briefly, yes. It was funny. Really awesome. By the way, the guy that they chose to uh, cast for the short – Ric Flair appearance in the Iron Claw movie. Terrible job. Terrible job casting that guy because that guy was not a good Ric Flair. I have not seen the movie, but I've seen the clip of the guy playing Ric Flair. Also terrible. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. They nailed every other casting move in that movie, but that one, I looked, I even like had to Google it to be like, well, how, how the hell did they think this was a good idea? And I guess the director like knew the guy from a show he worked with him in the past, so he did him a solid. But yeah, I did not... I did not think that that was a very, uh, it was just bad. So Google it. Anyone who wants to see, like, Ric Flair, Iron Claw, bad choice. Boy, Ric Flair is everywhere now. He got And he's got a million things going on, and he's so much older now, and he's balding now, and he doesn't look the same, and he don't have the hair, he doesn't have the Rolex or the, you know, the, the alligators that he can't keep down anymore. He doesn't have the jets and the limos and the girls and the I booze. he still has, like, the limos and the girls and the, most the he booze. Rides. He does have the booze still. Because he, he went off the booze, but then he went back on the booze because he was just like, you know what? YOLO. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what he said. Because remember, he, he almost died. Yeah. And he had to like go off the booze, and then he did that documentary. The Peacock documentary on him is really good, where he was just like, yeah, they told me I shouldn't drink anymore, but you know what? I'm getting up there, and I enjoy it, so the hell with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm off the booze right now myself. I got to be honest with you. Well, I mean, <laughs> me too, but not by choice. I've just been yeah. sick for a month. No, for me, it's just by choice. Well, good for you, Cappy. Thanks. You and Ric Flair have a lot in common, huh? Woo! Woo! All right, well... Uh, By the way, I've got... Once we're done with this, before we go... After we're done with Blake, I'm going to address these tweets in the Circle of Trust about D'Angelo Russell. What tweets? There's, there's tweets that need addressing? Yeah, about D'Angelo Russell. All right. All right, let's do it. I mean, c calling him an all-star with the Nets is, like, a, almost absurd. But go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead, Lindsay. All right, so just like it did with the NFL and uh, F1 and golf, Netflix is turning to the NBA. The streaming service is creating a new documentary series featuring a number of NBA players, according to Shams. Uh, he said that the docuseries will highlight five players in the first season, LeBron, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Edwards, and DeMontis Sabonis. So they got some pretty big names for that, and I think it's going to be awesome. I know, George, that you weren't like a big fan of the quarterbacks, or, or I don't even remember if you ever even watched the quarterbacks one. I know Cappy was a big fan. I, I watched like it. the first two episodes. Yeah. and bolted. I liked it. I thought it was very was well great. done and very interesting. So I'm looking forward to seeing the NBA one. Will you watch that one, George? Swipe left or swipe right? I pro I mean, I'll watch it like I tried to watch the NFL one, but I'm guessing if it's anything like the NFL one where it's basically stuff I already know, then I'm just going to bail quick. I'm on the other side of this thing. I'm going to definitely watch it.
because I absolutely loved the NFL one, and I thought there were so many things on there that I didn't know. I mean, I was never in Patrick Mahomes' mansion. Um, I didn't know about Kirk Cousins and his family and the the life that they live, and I didn't know right, that. But that was literally like two minutes after like a bunch of highlights about what happened that week in the game or whatever. I'll tell you something else. I, I have never seen how these quarterbacks in particular treat their bodies to get them ready for Sunday, and I've been working around the NFL for 25 years. I've never seen these guys leave a facility and go to their trainer and do all the sexual work. I loved quarterbacks, and I will say this, that LeBron being involved in this new, uh, what is it called, Lindsay? What's, what, what are they I'm calling guessing, it? I, I don't know. It doesn't have a name yet. That Oh, no. No, no, it doesn't have a name yet. It doesn't okay. have a name yet. LeBron being involved makes me that much more interested because I'm almost surprised yeah. that LeBron would do it amongst other NBA stars rather than exclusively about himself, you know, because he's so much bigger than everybody else. So, uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to give it a shot. When's, when's it supposed to come out, you know? Um, I think it says it's going to be in the spring. Okay. So they're probably filming it right now, I'm assuming. Hmm. And, you know, it's probably one of those things where, like, LeBron's production company, Spring Hill, is probably the ones that kind of have, like, they're probably the ones that are filming him and maybe have somewhat control creatively. Well, I mean, that would make sense because I think the quarterbacks was done by Peyton Manning, wasn't it, right. Omaha Productions? Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And then you guys can fight about how bad George thought it was. Well, I've never been in LeBron's house. I hope he takes us into his house. I hope I hope they filmed him when he went back to Cleveland to get his hair cut. All right. Anyway, <laughs> okay. now yeah, we're that, definitely that, going that way part, down. That part I don't need to see. Well, I mean, I've made a big deal out of it. They posted on like social media. Like, guess he was here today. I thought it was pretty cool, but whatever. Yeah, he, has, like, he cuts his hair in L.A. too. I don't know. I you know. know. I just thought it was cool that you know he he <laughs> likes to support the local businesses back where George, he's from. Must have been they, this. Must have been something they were talking about on Riz's show. You know? <laughs> it was, that's it why was. this is probably relevant. You know. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, go ahead. What's that? Oh, no, please, please don't play the target. <laughs> All right. So uh, this news came out yesterday, and I get, didn't get a chance to ask you guys about it. Kawhi Leonard has reportedly signed a three-year, $152 million contract extension with yeah. the Clippers, according to Woj. Do you think this is a big deal? Swipe left or swipe right, George? It is a big deal. It is a commitment to Kawhi, who has been mostly healthy this year, uh, although they're still managing him a little bit. And they've got a big building that's opening in August. And it. they've also, you know, they're working on Paul George. And they feel confident, like, as long as those guys are healthy, particularly Kawhi, that they can be a championship-level contender. So, Well, that to me, you, you nailed it. The most important part of that is is Kawhi Leonard must be part of the Clippers as they open a new building. You cannot open a new building call it the greatest arena on the planet, most technologically advanced, and the best toilets in the entire world, you cannot do that and not have your superstar player. So that $150 million or $152.4 million commitment that was just made to Kawhi Leonard, to me, is primarily about opening a new building. There's basketball part well, of it, too. I, I, don't, I, I mean... I don't know if it's primarily. I would say that primarily Steve Ballmer wants to win a championship, but Kawhi Leonard is a great player. Uh, I do think that the building plays a factor in there, but I do think it's more because he wants to win, and Kawhi's really good. Yeah, I think it's more about, hey, we're opening up this new building. we got to put people in it. Uh, we got to convince people that we're committed to championships. So we've got a superstar. Pay them, keep them, and pe put people in the seats. Which, by the way, I don't think is going to be very hard to do because I think everybody's going to want to go check this place out.
especially that honeymoon of the first three years. Yeah. Maybe the yeah, first year, but then when they're... Yeah. Anyway, I don't. Like I actually was in like a queue to buy tickets or something, and then I just completely forgot about it because it was like 130 people ahead of me. I wanted to buy tickets to one, like one, maybe one of their inaugural event or whatever. You, you, you know that's a that's funny you say that because there's no way in hell that Cappy is going online and buying tickets to no. a Clippers. No, game. as a matter of fact, I was kind of hoping they've got like a nice Lexus club and they could hook me up with a couple of plates there too. <laughs> You're too much. All right, last one here. So normally when people plan weddings, they really plan them out. That's like the key for a successful wedding is preparation. Well, a cafe owner was pretty upset when a group of about 20 to 30 wedding guests took over his cafe without calling ahead of time because they came in to drink coffee and eat up all of their desserts causing the cafe then to have to close immediately after they left. So... This came out on the uh, Reddit Bridezilla thread, which is one of the uh, new threads that I've enjoyed reading, along with the Am I the A-hole one. Why are you reading the Bridezilla thread? I, I don't know. I, it like came up as like a suggested thing. You know mm-hmm. how Reddit works. No, I don't. So anyway, there's all kinds of stories like this on here. But the guy was like ticked because he had to close the cafe. And even though he had business, like he didn't have any, like he ran out of food to sell to people. They didn't have enough time to make more, whatever. So instead of asking you to swipe left or swipe right, how big of a group is too big to show up at a restaurant unannounced, like without calling ahead of time or having reservations? Anything. I mean, dude, I would say like for sure more than eight. Um, but I would say even eight potentially is a big, big enough group where you should call ahead of time. If you show up to any restaurant and you say, hi, um, can I get a table for eight? Good luck. Yeah, I mean, that, you got to call ahead at least yeah, for eight. That's yeah. hard. But I don't really understand what the restaurant owner is so upset about. If 30-some-odd people come in and they eat all his food and they drink all his drinks and he's sold out of stuff, well, I mean, what did he want to do? Well, Stay because, open longer until he finally sold everything out? He well, should be happy he sold everything. Well, he was happy he sold everything, but again, like... He had to close. If it's a coffee place that's, you know, like let's say it's like a Starbucks where they have all those danishes and whatever and then coffee. So obviously like the main business is the coffee, but like they didn't have time to to replenish everything, I guess, to bake more stuff, to make more of the things. And then on top of that, he also was complaining how they were just like taking pictures as if it was like some type of wedding reception with the wedding party. And they never asked permission or anything like that. So it wasn't just them showing up. Yeah, you know, I guess... I mean, what if they went to a bar? Would the bar owner have the same problem? Hey, they drank all our Coors Light. We ran out of Coors Light because 30 people from a wedding party came in. How dare they come into my bar and take pictures? They didn't call us. They didn't book us as a venue. How dare they? Well, I don't know. I mean, a lot of places, if you have big groups like that, they also charge extra because you never know if they're going to tip. I think there was like a discrepancy with how much they tip and stuff like that. You know, places Mm. will charge you a big fee if you have a big group to make Mm -hmm. sure that... At the very least, the servers have the proper amount of gratuity. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's just common courtesy to, to call ahead, especially if you have 20 or 30 people. Hmm. My, my family... Oh, you definitely have yeah. to call ahead if you have that many people. My, I don't think there's even a conversation about this. My grandparents, God rest their souls, they were famous for doing that. Like when my aunts would come <laughs> visit... They'd be like, oh, let's go to Bucci's. And they'd be like, we'd roll up in a caravan of like three, four cars and we'd walk in. And like my grandpa... Some of the restaurants where he knew the people very well as a local business owner, it was no big deal. But I'd be like, Grandpa, you didn't like call them and give them a heads up? I'd be so ticked if I was a server and they just show up with like 12 people. I'd be like, oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Hell no. So that's Radio Tinder for today. Okay, great. Thank you.
Always swipe right on Tequila Mandala, award-winning small batch premium sippy tequila made from the finest mature agaves available everywhere. Fine tequilas are sold. Visit their website, Tequila Mandala, and demand the extraordinary with Tequila Mandala. Visit their website, tequilamandala.com, obviously, sorry. Um, and demand the extraordinary with Tequila Mandala. But, Cappy, we're going to talk some baseball next with our guy Blake. When was the last time we talked to Blake? Balake. Like after, like, the playoffs? Right. It was probably November, last time we had Blake. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, he's one of those guys that's only signed through the baseball season. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. His contract only works through that. And yet, we're going to troll everybody and bring Blake on today. Well, I mean, there's a lot of Dodger stuff going on. They just made a deal. They just sent Michael Bush to the Cubs, and we haven't recapped any of this stuff because you and I aren't smart enough to do it, and he is. So we'll we'll get to that. Also consumed with football and basketball right now. I understand that. And my second home away from home at LAX, Los Angeles International Airport. Changes arriving daily to help transform the travel experience. I'll be. Uh, yeah. Hop the hop. Yeah. Hop hop hop. Uh. This reminds me of Happy Days. And do the hop bam 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 doom. Yeah. Hey, so Siobhan. Yeah. Monterosa. She's mad at me. Why is she mad at you? Well, the other day I was saying that Michigan fans are like Red Sox fans are like super obnoxious, you know? And she's a big Michigan fan. And she's like, Cap, you held my brand new baby. You're going to say this kind of stuff to me? And then yeah. I felt like such a jerk because that night, the night of the national championship game, I went over to my buddy's house to watch the game, and he's a big U-Dub fan. Yeah. And then he's got this giant surfboard with a Red Sox logo all over it. I'm like, wait a second. Hold on. There's yeah, a lot just... of conflict going on here. Yeah, Sorry, you're... Siobhan. So she said oh, this thing about... Lord. Oh, thank Coach Harbaugh. About... Love youth... you, Dad football um I, I don't think we have enough time to get into it today because we only have 30 minutes and i just realized blake is probably on the line and yeah. we don't have time to waste with him either mm, right. so we can do this story tomorrow about youth football okay youth football. So, yeah so okay. let's do that mañana blake is he there yeah blake what is up guys how are we oh, doing okay what's up happy new year my dog it's too I, late I to say happy new year no, in january no no it's not too late it's stop too late. it's not too late Yes. When you when you speak to somebody for the first time in the month of January, you are still technically allowed what, to wish them oh, happy. Only year. in the month of January? Yes, that's right. What a ridiculous subjective thing. Well, wait to a do. second. How why is today January eleventh? Too late to wish it's somebody too a happy late, new year. Dude, the new year happened eleven days ago. Hey Blake, you know what? Between you and me, happy new year, my dog. Hmm. I, I will say I was team Larry David with the whole happy new year thing, but Cappy did bring up a great point I never thought of. If it is your first interaction with someone, I think it's okay. I will say, I don't know if this is putting Lindsay on blast. When she texted me earlier, she wished me a happy new year, but that was our first interaction of the year. So I, I think you're in the clear with that. I, All right, we're two out of three. Here. I did also tell Mario yesterday, happy new year. I did too. And Mario said so, to me, he said, yeah, yeah. hey, Cappy, happy new year, my brother. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. Balake. We'll work backwards on Otani and all that stuff. Michael Bush gets sent to the Cubs. What did the Dodgers get back? What what did you know? What did you make of the situation and the deal? It was a pretty shocking trade because Michael Bush. This is a name that's kind of been floated around a bunch of trade rumors over the last couple of seasons. We thought the Dodgers would eventually ship him out, but I was a little surprised that they didn't get a major league ready piece in exchange for Bush. This is a guy that has been a consensus top 100 prospect, but. Based on what I've seen so far on Twitter today, it really seems like the Dodgers got two prospects that have the potential to be top 100 guys as early as next year that can contribute down the line. So I know it kind of hurts sending away Michael Bush, a guy that a lot of Dodgers fans are very high on. 
But I thought the package they got in return was uh, was a phenomenal job. Yeah, Blake, you like Bush? I love Bush. I mean, my my buddy who I do my podcast with worked in Chatham a couple years ago when Michael Bush was in the Cape Cod League. And back then, before he was even drafted by the Dodgers, he said to my group chat, hey, guys, remember the name Michael Bush? This guy is going to be a stud. He ended up being drafted by the Dodgers. Obviously, we saw what he was able to do in the minors. So it really hurts to see him go. But he had no spot on this Dodgers team with how uh, the billion-dollar Dodgers are looking for next year. (laughs) The billion-dollar Dodgers. That's right. Uh, what did they get here with this guy Hernandez? The one-year, twenty-three and a half million dollar deal. Um, I, I guess I'm kind of surprised that they spent so much on on just a one-year deal. Tell us about Hernandez. Yeah, I was surprised to see that high of a number for Teoscar Hernandez. I thought he was going to get a lot less, but this was the guy that was expected to sign a three or four-year deal. Obviously, the Dodgers didn't want to commit to that, so they went for a higher AAV bring him in for one season, and I absolutely love the move. You know, you think about all the different additions the Dodgers have made this offseason. This can end up being the most underrated move of the entire offseason. This is a player who, in years past, has finished inside the top 10-15 in MVP voting. He has 30 home run potential, plays solid defense in, in, in the outfield, and if he's your number 6 or your number 7 hitter and he's given you 30 home runs, I mean, this Dodgers lineup is already pretty stacked as is. Just got a whole lot deeper. So, and especially for only one year, I, I absolutely love it. Like I said, I think it's going to end up being the most underrated move of the entire offseason for the Dodgers. Yeah, he's uh, he's a stud. He played for the Blue Jays for most of his career, uh, and then the Mariners most recently last year. Um, strikes out a lot, maybe a little too much for my liking personally. But uh, you know, I mean, whatever. In this lineup, he may not strike out as much. To, to your point, uh, there's a lot of guys in this lineup to protect him. But all right, so. Otani, Yamamoto, Glasnow. Go. It's insane because it seems like every episode I've ever done with you guys, at one point Shohei is somehow brought up. Two years from now, what's it going to take for the Dodgers to get Shohei? And we were kind of hyping that up for a couple of years, and they finally make it happen. Shohei, Yamamoto, Glasnow, the Dodgers, they desperately needed to upgrade that starting rotation. It was one of the worst in baseball last year. We saw what happened in the playoffs. And now you can make the case they have arguably the best rotation. Yamamoto, I know a lot of people are kind of hesitant to give him that kind of money, considering he's never pitched in the big leagues before. But if all goes according to plan, this is a guy that is going to be receiving signing votes every season for the next 10 years or so. And you're getting him right in the heart of his prime. And Tyler Glass now, a local kid from Santa Clarita, this is a guy that has proven when he's healthy, he's a Cyan caliber pitcher as well. So the Dodgers add two Cyan guys to the top of the rotation Oh, and you add the best player in all of baseball, the best hitter in all of baseball, Shohei Otani. I mean, again, it, it's insane that I'm trying to kind of recap three or two, two or three months of insane, insane additions in a couple of minutes. But th- this has just been an incredible offseason for the Dodgers. Again, the billion-dollar Dodgers is what I like to call them, and they've, they've earned that title because they, they spent. They opened those checkbooks, and they delivered for uh, the Dodger fan base. Malaki, I think many of us thought that the Dodgers would also be looking for a shortstop, but I guess their thought would be that Gavin Lux will come back and play that position. And I, I'm thinking that what the Dodgers are thinking is, well, with everything else that we've gotten, why do we need to put any more money into the shortstop position? He can hit ninth and he can play a decent short. Is that what you think their expectation is? Yeah, I never understood all the rumors about acquiring a shortstop unless there was something wrong with Gavin Lux's injury recovery. 
this is a guy, we saw him a couple of years ago. He was your number nine hitter. He was an above average hitter. He was solid defensively. And if you're bringing him in, and again, he's going to be your number eight, your number nine hitter. I mean, considering what they got from Miguel Rojas last year at the plate, Gavin Lux is pretty much going to double that production this year. So it's going to be like an MVP kind of candidate. So I think the Dodgers are more than, more than content with Gavin Lux. If I'm them, I'm looking to bring in one more starting pitcher for the rotation. And I'm looking to bring in one massive reliever. My personal preference would be to bring in Josh Hader, but I don't know if the Dodgers are really going to want to spend that much money to get a reliever. But who knows at this point, it's not my money, not my money. They've been spending so much. What's an extra $15, 20000000 million a year? Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, come on. At this point, just go. Like, just go all, all in. Anyway, Balake, Blake Harris, follow him on Twitter, at Blake H. Harris. He's our Dodger insider, joins us during the season. A little pop here in January. We'll get you ready when pitchers and catchers report. We'll get you back on. Uh, follow uh, his, or subscribe, rather, to his Substack. Uh, unlike Cappy, who's a cheapo who doesn't do that, but I do. Well, and remember, I support sensationalism, not journalism. Eh, I mean, mostly, yes. And listen to his podcast, Inside the Ravine. Balake, thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Hey, great talking to you guys as always, and a happy late New Year. To there the you go. You. There, there you, you go. go. It's okay. Yeah. Don't listen to Sedano. It's okay. Yeah. All right, Cappy, coming up next, I'm going to address these tweets about D'Angelo Russell. Okay? Enough. Okay? I've had it. Oh, no. Is yeah. somebody going to get a one-way ticket to H-Town? Terminal H, actually, is what we call it <laughs> around here. I don't know if you realize that. But uh, anyway, speaking of H, H stands for handy right now, like your handy neighbors at Next Gen 